So I'm not a Pro Shop user. No, you're not. They're a great sponsor of ours, and we hear a lot about Pro Shop from you, Jim. And one thing that's kind of surprising to me in in a really good way for them is as I travel, I spend about a third of my life on the road. Yeah. As I travel, this year I've had like three or four different companies yeah. that are all either using Pro Shop and have amazing things to say about really? it. Really? Or they're like one time I walked in and they were telling me, yeah, that's Pro Shop on the screen, but we're just like analyzing which ERP we were going to switch to. They're blowing to. up, Nick. I mean, seriously, I know, I mean, just from talking to Paul, he's a busy man and you're just hearing about him everywhere. I was like, look, I don't use ProShop, but everyone I know who does absolutely loves it. So, But in all seriousness, you're going into these shops across America yeah. and you see it on their yeah. screen and you're like, oh my God, yeah. This- I've seen that before. And I'm like, is that ProShop? They're like, yeah. yeah. And one of them was just a, right on the fence about to pull the trigger. You know, maybe Paul should run for president in 2024. He <laughs> would, would have my vote, man. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Yep. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging. But if you're connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr, and my other co-host, Nick Golner. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Very good. Good afternoon. It's a minute past one, actually. Yeah. Happy New Year, too. Happy New Year. Yeah. 2021 is going to be a great year, right? So speaking of habits, we all have a habit of eating lunch usually. We're actually skipping it today. We are. In general, do you guys consider yourselves creatures of habit? Totally. Yes. Like, tell me about your things that you do habitually. I've been working out three times a week with a personal trainer at 6 a.m. for the last 12 years. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I even know the days of the week yeah. that you that you work out. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> I, I mean, if my trainer says, I don't know anybody more consistent than you. What about you, Nick? Mine's related to coffee. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell like, me about it. I have like a coffee routine. So I wake up. I French press my coffee, so I... Uh, I thought you were going to say you French kiss your coffee. No, I like start my uh, whistling teapot, mm-hmm. you know, to heat up the water, but I like keep it on kind of low, and then I go shower. That way it's like close to boiling, but if it whistles while I'm in the shower, it's going to wake up my whole family. You don't shower too long. No, I yeah. get back, turn it up all the way, you know, make my coffee, drink it. If I don't have my coffee, I have a bad day. It's very sophisticated of you, So Nicole, you start no? your day with, with the coffee, like... That's like your trigger to get into the day. Yeah, I got to have coffee or else I'm kind of useless. Yeah, so do I. But on days that I have to get up and go quick, I just go to Starbucks. I don't make coffee. I do that sometimes. So I actually used to have that same routine, Nick, where I would start off the day with coffee. And I've actually developed a new habit where the first thing that I do in the morning is I read like three or four chapters of the Bible, like very first thing I do. And what I've done is that I've kind of changed the triggers that I use for myself in the morning in order to create these new habits. So that's one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode is how to use triggers to create new habits and create new systems for your business, your life, just whatever that you want to do. So before we go there, I have a manufacturing news article. Actually, this isn't a manufacturing news article. It's more of just a general news article that I thought was interesting. And it's from one of my new favorite news sites, which I I think I've probably sent sent you guys before. It's called Not the Bee. 
Have you ever heard of this news site? It's like kind of related to the Babylon Bee, right? Yeah, which is a satirical. The onion of the. Yeah, yeah well, the Babylon Bee is like a satirical news site and not the Bee is like their unsatirical news site that is actually real news that is hard to believe that it's real news. So, and I'm going to relate this back to leadership. So the news article is titled Books by the Foot in which people purchase books to create the illusion of being well-read <laughs> is a real business in Washington, D.C. Oh, is that funny? No way. This is Jim. Jim is the target customer. <laughs> exactly. If you've ever been to my office, do you ever notice the stack of books? Full of leather-bound books. I've not read one of those. No, but you do admit the fact that you don't read those books. But there's a lot of people out there that just want to buy books to make themselves look intelligent. So like in this new era of... Zoom meetings and video and stuff like that. Everybody's got something in their background. It could be a blank wall, could be pictures of your family, or it could be a library of books that you don't read. It should be. It could be corporate branding. I mean, it just kind of depends on what you want to have in your background. Yes. Sometimes it's like a beach or like Star Wars stuff. Yes. Yes. You you know how with Zoom you can do that. (laughs) There's a lot of people out there that want to look smart by putting books in the background of their videos and. I think if there's anything that we've learned this year is that everybody has developed this notion of like untrustworthiness. It's like you can't even trust the news that's out there. And I think being authentic is just becoming more and more important, not only in you know your personal life, but also in your leadership to your team. And I think this whole notion of buying books in the background in order to show that you're smart is just one of the most obscene things that I've ever you know seen before. Jim, I might subscribe you to this books by the foot just so you can make yourself look. So a what do bit they smarter. do? <laughs> they basically sell like books on your Zoom, yeah, <laughs> by the foot, so that you can put it into your background. And you know what? You, it's kind of funny about that because you can craft the content, the titles of the book, based to the audience that you're talking to. Like if you want to impress somebody that you have all these skills leadership skills and you have all leadership books in the background right? machining physics yeah you know, st- stuff like so that dumb. a machining handbook so it's kind of funny i i actually have a bookshelf in my bedroom it's not like where i do any video or anything like that but i actually i color coordinate all of my books so i've got my blue books on one shelf i've got my red books and i've got my black books and i've got my white books. such a weird way to do it i know <laughs> But one time, like my my son, he was like two at the time, he would come into our bedroom and he'd knock all the books off the shelf. And he thought it was like this really funny game. And at one point he knocked so many off. I was like, I'm going to redo all these because they were all random. And I just color coordinated them all. And it actually looks kind of cool. So that was my that was my news. I thought that this was kind of funny. And from a leadership perspective, like I said, it's just, you know, in this new era of people not trusting the news, not trusting people in leadership, it's that much more important to be authentic in what you do. We could have a whole podcast on media and news media and, you know, opinions, because at the end of the day, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a perspective on what they believe. It's all about the information they're pulling from that they can create their own perspective, their own opinion on things, right? So, you know, if you're connected to right radicals and you believe that they're doing the right thing, then maybe that's right. If you're connected to the left or if you're connected to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is myself. Have you guys done anything in your leadership at your company in order to, that you've changed, that you're like, I'm being inauthentic with this that I'm doing and you've changed it in order to be more of an authentic leader? What would that be? I share financials with my team. Okay. We never used to do that years ago. And and how how did you start doing that? 
How did you kind of, you know, like get a little bit more naked with your financials? Well, I think that I think they need to know because they're responsible for the growth of the company, right? Everybody in the company is responsible for the growth of the company and everyone is, you know, I know that the machinists on the shop floor aren't reading the financial statements like I am, but they need to know an overarching status of where we're at real time, especially annually. How did we do this year? Are we going to do better next year? What's what's the goals? I, we just had our, our weekly production meeting last week and I shared with the team what our leadership did at the annual meeting. And I went, said, well, we did a SWOT analysis. Oh, what's the SWOT? A machinist doesn't know what a SWOT analysis is. I pulled up the information. I said, here's our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. This is what we talked about. This is what we learned. So yeah, I just sharing information that used to be guarded years ago with the entire team. How about you, Nick? It's kind of the same, but mine's more related to marketing, actually. So I'm working with making chips on, okay, so we have a retainer with making chips. We spend money with the agency that the three of us own, and that money gets allocated across all the different business units at AME and Hennig. So we're working on this dashboard on like, okay, what percentage of the budget was allocated to your business unit? What exactly did you get from that? You know, giving them more insight. They're obviously not even. No, no. We have different priorities, you know, as a business. And But, you know, so if, if more investment goes to one business unit, well, they have to take on more of that cost. So they, they need to see, okay, like what are the returns from this? So in this episode, we're going to, we're going to talk about changing your habits. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because I've been talking about this with my team for quite a while. So one of the things that I've been struggling with is that I've got several great, I've got a half a dozen salespeople. Okay. And I've got some great salespeople, but one of the things that that I noticed in 2020, things were changing. We needed to change the way we go about interfacing with our clients. And I noticed that some of my salespeople were adopting to the new changes better than some of the other ones were. And it was really, really hard to get people to change their habits. Yeah. The older you are, the harder it is to Absolutely. change. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Jim, that very much in real world world experience as I was going through this process, that was definitely what I saw is like yeah. older salespeople who were, you know, successful in their own right were having a harder time making those changes. And so I started going along educating myself in how do we change our habits? And one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to develop a new system for selling to our clients. I'd read this book, Five Minutes Selling, and he basically had this system that I wanted to adopt. And a lot of this came out of the episode that you did, Nick, where we were talking about like, you know, sales objectives and stuff like that. I wanted to have a day-to-day sales system that my salespeople could adopt in order to, to raise their sales up. And the system is very simple, okay? At the end of the week, you fill out this form, and in this form, you put down like two or three clients that you're going to call first thing in the morning, okay? It's called five-minute selling because basically you're making a couple phone calls to interface with somebody. It could be somebody that you talk to on a regular basis, and you're just following up on a quote, or it could be somebody who you haven't talked to in two years who used to be a client, and maybe they moved on to another company. But this is not a prospecting for new accounts. Oh, no, it's for everything. There's a lot of different reasons why you would be calling that person, but 
it could be because you hadn't talked to them in two years and they moved on to another company and so you just hadn't been interfacing with them or it could be somebody that you're just you're you're dealing with all the time and you're following up on a quote like I'm following up and it could be just like the first call so okay so this is this is why the system works the system works because the cold call you mean yeah, okay. it's no, it's not for cold. Calling. Okay, it's, that's what I was asking. It's already somebody that you've made a connection with. You have some sort of relationship. With gotcha. Them. I understand. So the reason why it wasn't working for my team was because everybody on my team, the first thing that they would do in the morning is that they would check their email. Okay, and you go into your email box and. You're going to have something in there. If you're if you're an active salespeople, you're going to have some kind of emergency. You're going to have, you know, some kind of fire to put out. They're always there. They're always there. There's always something urgent. And the urgent always takes precedent over the important. And one of the things that I wanted to get my sales team in this system of making sure that they call people in the morning first thing. Because I felt like if we did spend this five minutes every single morning, that we would be able to make some kind of significant increase in our sales. But the problem was that urgent would happen. And then all of a sudden, it's the end of the day and they're exhausted. And they're like, you just become too tired to make that phone call. Your inbox becomes your calendar. Your inbox becomes your calendar. Yeah. And by the time you've fought those fires and you've done the actual calendar events that you have, the day's over and you haven't done it. So... I was really struggling to get my people to adopt this new system. So one of the things that I realized is that in order to create new habits, I had to create new triggers for my salespeople. So going back to what what you and I were talking about, Nick. So I created this new system for myself in the morning to, you know, read the Bible before I made my coffee by going to myself and saying, okay, when I wake up in the morning and I'm super groggy and I feel like I want to make my coffee, I sit down and I read first. So the trigger is me wanting coffee, and what I do instead is that I read instead of doing the thing that I actually want to do. So I'm changing the triggers in my head. And so what I've trained my salespeople to do is to say, okay, when you, like, how do you start, Jim, how do you start your work day? What's your cue to get started into the day to start work? Emails. Emails drive my list of things I have to get done that day, or they reposition the priorities, the things that I I had already planned on doing that day. And that's how 100% of my sales team started their day as well. And I bet you that's how 99% of people start their workday. Their workday cue is check your email, or it could be check your calendar. But for most people, it's check your email. And so what I said to my team was, can you change that trigger to start your workday? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when you feel the need to check your email to figure out what you're doing for the day, instead, do your five-minute selling. Bingo. And it really has made a profound difference with the sales team that has adopted this. So how are you promoting the difference? Are you saying, hey, when you like give examples of the success that you had in that five minute and then they share it with everybody yeah. else. So what we've done is so like one, one of the things that I, that I like to say, you know, if I can put it into a nutshell is that you have the system and you have the habits and you have the triggers and the triggers create the habits and the habits put into place, create the bigger system. And so when we sit down for our sales team, this has been our core focus like the entire time. So like as a point of like really trying to say, what are we going to be focused on? It's, it's these habit changing. And so what we do is we talk, I confirm with everybody, it was like, are you changing your triggers? And everybody goes through and everybody's very honest. Like I don't have this culture where if somebody goes to me and they're like, 
I'm not doing it. I don't say like you're in trouble. I'm going to write you up. We talk about, well, why are you having a hard time with changing your triggers? And so like during that whole sales process, we're talking about like, are they successfully changing their triggers and then changing their habits? And if they are doing that successfully, what are the wins that they're getting? So then we go around the room and we share the wins. And I think that those wins also reinforce everybody else to change their triggers and their habits. When did you implement this? About a couple months ago. And how often do you meet and talk about those triggers and how successful it is? So we meet and we talk about it once a week. And I'm only doing these meetings right now. I'm doing it with half of my sales team. So three at a time, because it's kind of like a trial at this point. And two thirds of that group, so two out of three of the people are successfully doing it. Like the others are just still going to their inbox and let... Well, the other person is... To be quite honest, he's really busy right now with his with his existing clients. So it's kind of like we've had a one on one conversation, and it you know I've kind of given him permission to say, okay, you know I know you're you know you're kind of really busy all day long, and you don't have a lot of time for cultivating these other relationships. So I've kind of given him a pass on it, but he's learning from the other team members, and he's probably going to adopt this eventually too. But they've both been able to successfully do that. So they've changed that trigger where they're like, okay, when I feel the urge to check my email first thing in the morning. I make these two phone calls. And one of the guys said, okay, I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to make three phone calls and then four phone calls. And now he's really, really doing well with this system. And he's every single week he comes to the table and he says, I made this sale, I made this sale, and I made this sale because of these new habits that I've created. You know, Jason, what a year, man. I look back at 2020, I think, you know what I miss genuinely? I know what you're going to say. What is it? IMTS. Yeah, I do. Because, you know, I used to take my entire team down there. We looked forward to going down to McCormick Place. You used to get the goosebumps when you go there. Yeah. And, you know, there was always good networking, cocktails, dinners. And, I mean, I just miss that whole thing. I agree. Well, you know what? They still have an exhibit going on, but it's an online exhibit called IMTS Spark. Right. Yes, I'm familiar. Let's hear from one of their exhibitors and find out what they're showcasing at IMTS Spark. You know, I just got connected with Chuck Matthews, who's the executive vice president of DP Technology. And let's hear what they are showcasing at IMTS Spark. So let me call him up right now. Give him a call. Hello, this is Chuck. Oh, hey, Chuck. This is Jason Zenger and Jim Carr is also on the line from Making Chips. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jim. Hey, Chuck. So tell us, in lieu of the IMTS show, what is DP Technology showcasing on IMTS Spark? Gone virtual, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we sure have. The whole world has gone virtual. Exactly. We've got no choice. Spark, we're highlighting the free cam software and uh, talking to the, the key differentiators um, that it brings onto the market. What are those key differentiators? Usually, the, our customers are struggling with the G-code, long setup times on the shop floor, uh, the editing the G-code. I hear you. It's an ugly cycle, and we come in and generally solve that problem with, with high quality in, in our world, what's called post-processing. Oh, right, in the post-processing. So it's Esprit, from what I understand, and I am somewhat familiar with it. Of course, you've got that model, and you're looking at that model, and you want to create an NC program. The The objective is taking the model, clicking on the surfaces, generating some kind of tool path, and then post-processing it to whatever CNC machine tool you might have on your shop floor. That's right? 
Exactly. That's exactly what we do. And, and uh, it's common that a new machine comes in with a more advanced kinematics or more advanced uh, motion. They'll turn machine or a Swiss style machine the shop then has existing software and they struggle with the G code. Our uh, technique is to be really close to the uh, machine tool builders. So the main machine tool builders in North America, and by having a, a very close working relationship, it allows us to have a technically sound solution to create good G code for the machines. So does this make it easier to fast track new machinists in order to start producing parts more than say they would have been able to do, you know, 10, 20 years ago? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's two things. One is the, is the setup time is reduced, so uh, the machines are spend more time making chips. And the other part of it is is the cycle times are, are optimized because we drive the machines using the full capacity of the machine. That's using high speed machining techniques uh, in one case, and the other case is it's it's about multifunction machines where we can have two or more cutting tools engaged in the workpiece simultaneously. So, what your niche or your expertise is in multi axis or multi-spindle post-processing? Yeah, and the toolpath generation, the optimization, and the post-processing for those class of machines. You know, the mill trap machines and, and, and Swiss-style lathes. Oh, right. Swiss, because Swiss has up to 12 axes and, you know, at least two spindles, right? Exactly. And, and the modern machines, they used to be primarily doing two-axis cuts. So this you could almost program manually. But the modern machines are, are basically five-axis milling capable. And so, so you have the five-axis milling capability you want to utilize, and you find that often in medical parts and, and other you know, aerospace parts, electronic parts. And you want five-axis milling, but you also got the very complicated kinematics and synchronization that you need to do on these machines. It's a very tight envelope, and uh, any any little mistake can crash a machine break a tool so you need to have really good what you see is what you get and we call that the digital twin so what you see on the screen is really what you get in the g-code and and how the machine behaves understood so what you're trying to do through imts spark is highlight these differentiators over what your competition is doing and you feel as though that the multi-spindle type multi-axis type cnc equipment out there is where you have the edge with regards to how fast and accurately it post-processes that tool path. Exactly. And the, the, the second element that's, that we find really important and appreciated by our customers is the technical support. Because we work closely with the machine builders, our application engineers are reasonably knowledgeable about the different machine tool models and CNC controls. It's not a finger-pointing game between the CAM software and then the machine tool company. You know, it's, there's a problem. Uh, we're enough of the machines to be able to provide high-quality tech support. And so our customers appreciate the the quality technical support in combination with with the software. Sure, I get it. Chuck, you know, it's great to hear that, you know, you're still getting the word out about your new technology, even though we can't physically meet at IMTS. We've got IMTS Spark to check out the latest and greatest uh, from your company. Yeah, we really miss the the face-to-face and meeting our customers. Oh, no kidding. We'll share some laughs together, but, uh, you know, we're going virtual as best we can, right? Right. It's a great platform. And I think that it's going to come back really strong. I think we'll be having happy hours together in the in the future years. Hopefully, it'll all be in the past by IMTS 2022 when we can go back to rejoicing and celebrating the human to human experience and showcasing the technologies that our companies do well. Yeah, I agree with you. Thanks for taking my phone call, Chuck. Thank you. It was nice day. talking to you. Be well. Bye now. Bye. <laughs>
So there's got to be, because this sounds interesting, but you, you mentioned that it was a book, right? So the book can't be like one page of like, just wake up and do something. for five No, no, no. So what's in the book? So the book is the system. Okay. The system of five minutes selling. But the problem was I was having a hard time implementing the system. And the reason I was having a hard time implementing the system was because I couldn't get my team to adopt the habits that are required by the system. And the way that I was able to get them to adopt the habits is that I changed their triggers. Okay. So the trigger thing isn't even really part of the book. No, not that I'm aware of. Gotcha. I don't believe it was mentioned. So there's a book and it's all about five minutes selling. Right, which is the system. It takes more than five minutes to read the book and there's probably a lot more to it than just wake up and do something instead of your Right, but how many books have you read where you're like, this is a great system or these are great ideas and then you just never implemented them? Oh, tons. Tons of books. Jim's got feet of books that he... (laughs) Jim's got a bunch of fake books. (laughs) Jim just doesn't read. He's like, forget about it. I'm just not even going to read the book. The one that I read is the one that I implemented. And the one that I read and implemented has been successful. Change your life. So for Jim, when you read one book, you're like, I need to implement this one book. But for Nick and I, who read tons and tons of books, we can't possibly implement all of those books. But sometimes when you find one... Honestly, when I hear you guys do that, I think they're wasting their time. because, In all frankness... Well, you guys are always like information machines and you're like reading and social media and read this YouTube. And I'm like, how do they have time? They, they, they're taking in all this information and they're not implementing Look, it. These idiots are reading all these books. Morons. Well, no, it's funny you mentioned it. It's funny you mentioned it because I'm being very honest and no, it's authentic fine. in my response here. I sometimes think you guys are crazy because- I get it. You are Jason more than anybody. And I love you to death. But- I mean, you are like, you, a sponge. you suck information from every media source possible. And I said, I wish I could swear, but we don't swear in making chips. It exhausts you, doesn't it? What the freak are you going to do with all this information? You have so much information in your head, you don't even know what to do with it. Okay, so Jim, let me explain. Pick something, one let me explain. or two things that are good. I'm not done. Pick well, one you're or never two done things talking. that are good and then implement that. Defend yourself. Okay, I will defend myself. My reading is like you're talking, Jim. (laughs) So the reason why I consume so much and why I read so much is A, because I enjoy it. Okay, that's true. And B, I read a lot that maybe is not- I enjoy wine. And you drink a lot. I do. So- I might in one of those books which I'm which I'm reading for enjoyment, I might pick up something that is really applicable to my business, but then there's a lot of it that's not. So as I'm reading, I'm kind of discerning what I can implement in my business and what I'm Yeah, that's that's what I do too. I put it in a category. Right. Do you really is it written? Or do you put it in a category? No, like in my brain. Okay. So we talked about like sales channels and then I want to measure them with like have accurate metrics right. for all my different sales channels. So like as I'm going through this whole process, I'm remembering this great book, Cracking the Sales Management Code. And it's like, okay, there's answers to the questions I have in that book. I don't remember them. I read the book a long time ago, but I know I'm going to go back to it and find the answer. Right. Here's how I'm thinking. So here's the avatar of a man that's 45 years old, that's 50 pounds overweight and He's going to get in shape. I'm going to start eating no more fast food. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to drop 50 pounds in the next year. 
I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to find out how to do a correct sit-up. I'm going to find out how to do a correct splat. I want to learn how to do burpees. I'm going to take in all this information. And he fails because he never implements right anything on, right. he does. He's probably put together the wrong triggers for implementing those habits is okay. probably okay. what he's done. And that's where it goes back to in order to execute this system correctly, you need to develop the habits. And in order to develop totally. the habits, you need to have the right triggers. Right. And so that's where I'm saying like these triggers are so important. And that's where I'm really urging my team. I'm like, are you doing the calls before you open your inbox? And it's getting redundant. But as I say this to them every single week for months, they're finally starting to get it. And they're doing it. And it's creating the results that we had wanted it to create. What kind of questions do you guys have about like how your triggers do affect your habits? And Well, I know I've heard some stuff like this before and it's all related to like neuroscience and mm-hmm. kind of like how humans are. And so this isn't the first time I've heard about like triggers. Of course. And, and I didn't make, I didn't like, this is something I developed. Yeah. I don't know if you can touch on that or if, you know, it's part of your research, but it, it might be interesting for the audience to explain kind of like how all that works. So the only thing that I can think of is that a lot of time, the the habits that you develop, you do them because they're easy, okay? So yeah. it's easy to wake up in the morning and check your inbox and get into the day. It is easy to do that. It's easy to wake up in the morning and be really tired and put on the pot of coffee because that's going to wake you up. But what's more difficult is to read your Bible before you put on the pot of coffee first. What's more difficult is making two to four phone calls to either current clients or prospective clients before you check your email. So you're doing the difficult thing, but that difficult thing is actually not that difficult. And once you start doing it more often, it becomes an easy habit. It's just like you're working out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You've developed such a habit of that. It's easy for you. But for a lot of people, it's not easy. But it doesn't mean because you're better than them. It's just that you've been doing it so many times, it's become easy. I've made it purposeful and I've made it a habit. Right. So I think that a lot of times what people develop as habits, I don't know the research behind this. This is just the way that I think about it is because it's the easy thing for them to do. It's like smoking cigarettes. You know what I mean? You get in a car, you light a... I don't smoke anymore. It's been years. But you get into a car, you light a cigarette. You pick up the phone, you light a cigarette. I mean, that is the purest example of a habit, physically and emotionally, that you could ever have. Yeah, it's interesting you brought the, like, cigarettes. Because the whole time I think about, like, triggers, I'm thinking about addictions, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to a really good TED Talk. It's titled, Everything You Think You Know About Addiction Is Wrong. And it talks about like the study they did on rats and they put rats in like a little like cage. And then there was like two bottles of water. One of them had like heroin, essentially like liquid heroin in it. And the other one was just water. And the rat would like go, go to the heroin one, get addicted and die. And then they did, they put a rat by itself in a, in a cage with like all sorts of fun rat stuff, like, you know, hamster wheels and all sorts of things for the rat to do. Mm-hmm. Continue to like go to the other one you know, the the heroin water bottle, and then eventually killed himself. The solution... It was very morbid. I know, I know. (laughs) You bring me to a happy place in the story, Nick. I'm getting there. Here's the happy. So they put a bunch of rats in the cage with all the fun stuff to do, and none of them went to the heroin water. They all just drank the regular water. And so it was like the whole point, the premise of it was 
the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. You're talking about like your team. You know, if you were just tell like one guy to do this and you didn't, he didn't have that like community of people who are uh, adopting this, this new trigger and this new system and like kind of trumpeting each other on. Or like maybe I, I, this might not be true, but like maybe Jim, for you, if you, you're so consistent with your workout, might have something to do with that. You have a trainer that like you go and oh, meet, totally. you, you have a totally. connection with that person. Yep. You know, I think that does sound very profound in that you need to have that community around you. So I've got another example that just like came to mind. So I know my wife doesn't listen to making chips, so I can talk about her without any kind <laughs> yeah, of mind recourse. To it either. I'm sure Brittany doesn't either. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. My wife and I have very different personalities. And I'm like a naturally optimistic, outgoing person. I always see the positive in everything. I always want to like kind of bring kind of the light into the room and like if people are being negative. My wife, a little bit more on the on the pessimistic side. She is, a, I mean, I don't want to like detract maybe anything from her. Or whatever. Yeah, maybe more realistic, skeptical would be the right word. Let's just say she's not quite as like, we've talked about this before on Making Chips. My wife calls me extra sometimes. So I guess she would be not extra. And so a lot of times when... I'll have in my head that like my wife will respond a certain way to a certain circumstances and I'll be disappointed in her response, let's just say. And in the past, I've responded to her when she didn't respond how I wanted her to and it would turn into a fight, okay? Because I saw something in her response that wasn't what she wanted and it was just like turned this whole big thing. So now I've triggered in my head that when my wife responds negatively to something, I have triggered myself to walk away. So instead of responding to her and creating a fight, I just walk away. And you know what happens nine out of 10 times? You have a fight. No, because <laughs> no. You're, not, you're not responding. No, not at all. No. She's like, Jason. No, no, no. Not, no. Nine out of 10 times, it just disappears it and goes, goes away. away. So like basically I've eliminated 90% of the fights that I have with my wife by just walking away when she doesn't respond in the way that I want her to. So I, right I've triggered myself in order to respond correctly to her. And, and it's been good for both of us. So I think there's like a real legitimacy to this whole notion of, you know, triggers creating very positive habits that create better systems. In this case, my relationship with my wife. Yeah, but you have to rewire how you how you are. And you have to be very aware of what you're doing. This whole thing is predicated on self-awareness. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, cool. So I think in conclusion, the manufacturing leader could say, if you're not self-aware, you're not making chips. And if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 